this is the workshop on loss and hope through the lens of culture, a space for sharing in this pandemic. Um, my name is Richard Beck. I, I'm in, speaking to everyone from New York City, and I'm the president of IAGP, International Association for Group Psychotherapy and Group Processes, and was really delighted when Heidi suggested that IAGP participate in this workshop on loss and grief with experts from all around the world. Let's see, here's our executive committee where we met in front of the Dakota Hotel, the, the Dakota apartment building in New York City. Uh, Maite is from Spain, Maria is from the Amsterdam, Michael is from Austria, Katerina is from Greece, and we're missing Osme from Egypt. And what we're really doing also is we're standing on the spot where John Lennon was murdered, just to give some perspective to this picture in terms of loss and grief. And we in IAGP really believe that people heal best in group. And this is our team. We've got Moshe from Brazil, who's living in Israel. We've got Andreas from Germany. We've got Christina in Spain. And I'm in New York City. So welcome, everyone, on behalf of IAGP. It's a pleasure to be offering this uh, breakout group. I've got an eye patch on because I had cataract surgery on Friday. <laughs> but I really wanted to be here with everyone. Uh, now, just a little bit about loss in the Big Apple. But this is my hometown. And Heidi suggested that IAGP participate and join in this conference. I met Heidi many, many years ago when she was working after 9-11, which was a huge loss in New York. And she worked with the fire department in New York City. And my work after 9-11, I worked with hospitals. The Office of Emergency Management in New York is where the city coordinated the response companies that saw the planes hit, therapists, and just regular New Yorkers. But it's a sense of, this is our town, this is our home, New York City, and the impact of what's going on in the world now and loss here in New York. We all believe that we have hope, resilience, connection, and creativity, and even use art, as Mars was saying, as a way to express our thoughts and feelings. Now in New York, because of the pandemic, loss was so isolated and people couldn't be with their loved ones. It, it was awful. Um, I know my nephew is in charge in California of an ICU during this pandemic. And just the fact that people at best could use FaceTime or technology to connect and be with people who the virus was so terribly uh, affecting. So there's an extra level and layer, as Ken was talking, and all of us know how difficult it is under the best of circumstances to say goodbye to loved ones and how this pandemic has made it that much more difficult really to be with one another, not to be able to hug or to touch 
to hold one's hand to say our final goodbyes. How, how this is the reality of uh, Corona in New York and also around the world. My girlfriend lives in Italy, so we can't travel. There's a loss of being able to travel, to be with loved ones, just to be independent and to be able to go from city to city, state to state, country to country. This is a real kind of loss for all of us. Each of I teach at Columbia like Heidi does. And all of a sudden, overnight, the students that were supposed to meet in a classroom met, met by Zoom. And just as Ken had his pet as part of his keynote, the students would have their dogs and cats sitting on their laps. It, it's, it's just to be human. And I would never minimize the importance and the meaning of our four-legged family members. Family members. Because they're really essential to our sense of connection and well-being. Even the, I also teach at a hospital in New York, Well Cornell, New York Presbyterian, and even there the doctors got to meet on Zoom because of the virus, that no one was meeting in person because it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for these young physicians who were learning their craft <coughs> in person. So this is a real loss, the loss of connection, a loss of physical contact. Loss of respect. How, look at how poorly we're handling things. And I think that we could do better with respect to the virus and how in New York or in the United States, since, since our, our lens with both eyes is international, that we could do things better. And I think there's room for improvement as we adjust and react to the science of what's going on. But that's a loss, the loss of self-respect. Here we're meeting by Zoom. Normally we would be meeting in person. So in a sense, we both have a sense of connection and isolation at the same time. This is because of the pandemic. And this is the reality that's been going on since March, that technology both connects us and isolates us at the same time, mm. right? And the sense of safety. I don't know about all of you where you live, but New York, the Big Apple, doesn't feel safe like it. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, it wasn't so safe, <laughs> right? But now it, it was safer. But now the sense of emotional safety, physical safety really has changed. And this is something which we need to be able to talk about. And beginning to talk about not feeling safe is a way to begin to recapture safety. I, look, I walk around my neighborhood to go to my office, which I haven't used since March, and so many people are out of work. That's a loss also. There's a financial loss for people in the big house dealing with. Loss of autonomy. I can't travel. I can't just pick up and go where I'd like to. This is a real sense of, of loss, a sense of independence, which, because of the pandemic, has really shifted. 
And these are very subtle, but these are also, they add up. What I, what I meant to say earlier, and I'm glad I remembered, is these kinds of losses, they stir up old losses. It's like a mosquito bite. If you get, if you get enough mosquito bites over your life, when you get one now, it really swells up. And that's my image for when a trauma or a loss happens as a result of COVID, that all of our old previous losses come to the surface, recent and even historical losses. And also the reaction in New York to both the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd needs to be addressed, at least acknowledged and spoken to, and the impact on the city. It's, a, it's, a, it's around the country and around the world, but stores are boarded up, protests are going on. This is very real, and it's a real sense of opportunity, and it's also a sense of loss. And not too long ago, Heidi and Gloria invited me to be on their TV show to talk about how loss is best healed in groups, which is how we all, the, the four of us on the panel, we really think about how loss can be helped by people in groups, just like all of us today are a group together. I'm going to, to speak about the grief and hope during the pandemic in Spain, but I would like to explain that I've been leading a group focus on grief uh, during this pandemic with, uh, with women. And uh, actually, I'm going to speak also about family, how in Spain we live those um, losses um, from this point of view. When we speak uh, about grief, we know that um, it's a natural response uh, to loss. Um, as Richard said, this is individual and is universal. And in general, that means feelings of extreme sadness. But grief can be in different colors, depending on the culture. We know that uh, if, we are, if, we, if we have a loss, we are wearing in black. If we are in Europe or in other Western countries, uh, we can be in white, symbolizing rebirth. If we are in other countries, purple, meaning spirituality, as in Brazil or gold, as in Egypt, symbolizing the journey to afterlife. So, grief is uh, universal, is unique, is personal, but that can be different. And this is the, the same with emotions. Because when we speak about culture, we mean shared values, traditions, and then define attitudes, behaviors, and, and emotions. Spain is a collectivistic culture. That means this is a culture that prioritizes family and community over individuals. Uh, people define themselves uh, depending on what kind of group they are belonging, friends, family, and um, minute. And the shared values are unity, selflessness, join, and interdependence. Interdependence. Relationship, or we search to have relationship stable, strong, and long-lasting. We try to. People mm -hmm. take care of each other in exchange of loyalty, affection, affection, and social support. We know those are key points for people 
and th those are key factors for resilience. We're in, in general, we celebrate life and then life and death in community, in a collectively away. So uh, during COVID-19, the feeling of grief in the families increased due to the fear of facing deaths and triage. Triage is a process in which people are classified in terms of uh, priority on the possibility of surviving the virus. So during confinement and separation, family was a very uh, uh, delicate uh, group. Usually, remember that we said that family holds a special place within the Spanish values. So it's a symbol of safety, integrity, recognition, and warmth. And offspring should care for other parents if they become ill. Hundreds of, pe of people, or hundreds of elderly people, have disappeared forever just in a hospital and dying nameless and alone during the pandemic. And that makes uh, families uh, feel uh, in a very extreme uh, sadness. Families did not know where they were for days, and, and suddenly, suddenly they could see them among so many others in a coffin, and that was really uh, devastating for many Spanish families. So we, hope, uh, we used to talk about the deceased person with our friends. We go together to the cemetery, bringing flowers. We embrace and share this, our sorrow with, uh, with the loved ones. And we used to pray, to sing, even to eat together, seeking, seeking transcendent, uh, transcendent closure. Collective mourning, mourning is an opportunity to celebrate the life due to uh, the one who has passed away and life in general, we want to celebrate their presence. But in the pandemic, what we had was isolation, as Richard said, only online socialization, no right to farewell to our dear people. Death has been faced in silence and alone. Funeral homes restrict attendance. High feelings of solitude make feel, families feel their loss as a painful, traumatic shock and grief. I remember a few days ago, uh, a woman told me, you know, I, uh, my parents died, they disappeared, and I think they forgot to bury me with them. And how to cope with this emotional confusion in a collectivistic uh, culture? So uh, during COVID-19, it was recommended to share pain and love in family. So what we do is to have online therapeutic uh, family sessions with all the group. We try to uh, facilitate them to express their shock, their outrage, their feeling of helplessness. Accept together that grief can try trigger many different and unexpected emotions. The perception of neglect of the family elders can be very high and can cause a very, a very big psychological suffering. 
There are needs of indulgence and compassion because they have to deal with grief and guilt. Grief and guilt usually are together in, because uh, grief um, means love. And when you love someone, you always think that you should do something better. So the group promotes that every member of the family can, for example, write a message or a letter with the regrets. That day that I didn't, uh, I didn't go to it with you. That situation that uh, I didn't, um, I forget uh, was your birthday. Uh, certain inconsideration or disrespect. Sharing within the group helps healing. In the end, they can visualize and share how they imagine the pass away people and how they will respond. Forgiveness can always ameliorate psychological pain. Sharing gratefulness and appreciation and installation of hope is the last step because gratitude is one of the more positive feelings of meaning and can lead to hope. Each member, in, the, in that occasion in our group, uh, each member wrote and shared personal messages to the absent person. Uh, something like, uh, with you, I, I learned, you know, music or bicycle or reading or, you know, whatever, that kind of films, whatever little things that we have learned with uh, our um, family person. Then I can, I can share with the others what I treasure from them. I will take with me uh, your optimism, your smile, your laughing, your talking, whatever we want to remark from our persons. Honoring the person and the family together by rituals and symbols of hope is the last or next step. It's lighting, lighting a candle on drawing, expressing gratitude feelings are um, a very uh, healing process. Generosity and appreciation of the deceased and themselves in a family are always curative factors and, go, and can lead to hope. And this is the, an image from uh, um, Mental Health Association in Spain. And it's, uh, uh, they say, if we, don't, if we cannot say goodbye to our uh, beloved, how can we do that? So uh, they say love and hope is against despair. So the real path to hope is hope. And we have to transmit it and to share it with our uh, family. So, uh, gracias. Thank you. Um, when this um, COVID-19 virus um, came alive, I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a catamaran crossing from Panama to Tahiti on the way to Marquesas. And, and fortunately, we arrived in the Marquesa Islands, it's Polynesian, the French Polynesia Islands in the middle of the Pacific. Um, when we arrived there, fortunately, the lockdown had not been in place yet. And um, I just want to share an experience when we reached the beautiful island, we went ashore, and everybody took a clothes in front of his mouth. And uh, we really felt we were three sailors kind of rejected and stay away from us. And then first I didn't understand it. 
And then I asked, what's your problem? They said, Corona, Corona. And I said, well, we spent four weeks uh, sailing, and so we were really in quarantine, and after that, they calmed down and became very friendly. That this has a long history, and the history is that two, three hundred years ago, sailors came to the islands, and sometimes the whole population of the entire island died because they did not have any defensive against our common flu or, what, or the measles. And even as um, recently as last year, a guy from New Zealand um, brought the measles to Samoa and 81 people died. So it's kind of in their psychological genes that illness from abroad can be devastating for our whole population. And then being, having returned to Germany, I also found out that how people react to the lockdown, it has very much to do with their personal life experience. I have a patient, an 80-year-old um, woman, who experienced the Second World War, and she stayed at her home, and we did um, therapy by telephone, and she told me, oh, I feel very safe here and comfortable. I don't have any problems. And then... She said, because why? Because this reminds me of the time during Second World War when my parents took me to the shelter, to the bunker, to the shelter, and I always felt very, felt very safe with them. It's, this sounds really um, contradictory, but that's how she felt. Unfortunately, I don't have, or fortunately, this experience in my childhood. I always had to take a nap, a forced nap at the age of three, four, it would be good for my psychological or physical growing. And I always felt completely confined, could never sleep. So I hate lockdown and don't feel comfortable at all. And um, there's a third point I would like to draw your attention to. You know, I'm, I have been working with uh, Amnesty International for 30, 40 years with victims of torture. And uh, many people who have really experienced um, traumas. And we can differentiate between man-made traumas. You know, when somebody gets tortured, that's a man-made trauma. Or trauma centers where you afflict traumas on a systematic scale. Then there are natural traumas, like an earthquake. And uh, natural traumas have the tendency to unite the people, the group. An earthquake comes from outside, it's overwhelming, and everybody stays together. Um, but I found out that um, corona, or the COVID-19, it's, it's a little bit different in my perception. It's not really a natural, not because it comes from the Chinese, but because the effect it has on human beings depends very much in what country they live in. That means how this country organizes their health insurance system. And also it depends very much which economic means or which living conditions they have. And I'm continuing what uh, my three colleagues uh, have been saying here. Uh, I think even that is my title is... Uh, it's a continuation of uh, what Christina said. 
So I call my presentation a love and hope in Corona times, continuing what uh, Christina uh, put in her last slide. And I spoke a little bit that the first point in Israeli, that's togetherness against the enemy, that we get organized, that's connection with family and losing control of our life, okay? So I started to say that when you close the skies, like in everywhere, but here we have this feeling of double confinement. Since we don't have connections uh, by car or by train with our uh, vicinities, uh, even some uh, hostility we may find. So we feel very, very close. And the uh, traumatics, and so it's like we don't have any escape door. We cannot not go out. The traumatic scars of the Jewish Holocaust, the Shoah, that people decide to our destiny, uh, resonate the inherent social and conscious fear of losing control of our lives, of our destiny. Freud called it the Unheimli, uh, I don't know how to say this in German, Andreas, uh, uh, uncanny. That's the feeling that we are thrown out of our domestic sense of being masters of our destiny. And the, 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 the last point is that, uh, resilience and proudness against loss and insecurity. Winnicott uh, said that the fear of future is always drowning the colors of the past. Since history is a collection of stories, our changing reactions are also shaped by them. So I told you about our war experience uh, that we have the uh, uh, ones, but also we have the, uh, the good feelings, the also good memories that we, with our story, that we have challenged and overcame many obstacles and we survived. And this evokes optimism inside of us Israelis. Uh, for example, we, we truly believe that we will be the first developing the vaccine, is we have a kind of brother, brother's proudness. You know, in this time, many uh, virtual jokes on that we have the most numbers of uh, uh, Nobel Prizes, you know. Um, and so especially now that in more times that we war against uh, COVID-19, we also are very proud of being good to the humanity, maybe discovering the vaccine, and also to each other. We have this tradition of we call mitzvot, that uh, requisition of God that we... And uh, we really believe that we can keep going on and have go a good life and living longer if we do this. And so a lot of volunteer uh, job has been uh, done in uh, all the arenas. And the, the last, uh, the hope in Corona times. Uh, psychic assets of generosity, modesty, resilience, gratitude. Now we have a special use for those assets that we have. Um, and Mitchell also uh, remind us that, uh, reminded us that the sense, a sense of hope is bigger when self-esteem is higher. And self-esteem is higher when the social net is stronger. And we feel this in our country, and I think that also around. We need hope to keep future uh, in order to survive. Although the sky is closed, we have things in common. We have similar feelings all over the world. Fears, longing, sadness, pain despair, but also hope. And uh, uh, also, the, this virus also proves again and again that despite different identities and despite different cultures, we are the same. We are women.